because I'm interested to see how these banks are going to approach these renewals. Like, are they just going to send them a notice and say, hey, sign here. But by the way, we added eight years to their mortgage. Or are they going to call them and, and have these one-on-one -on -one conversations? Like, what is that going to look like? Like, I have no idea. You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Hello. We're back. We're not live, but we are live with you right now in your ears if you're listening. We're here. You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast, where we bring you the latest news and insights on the dynamic and ever-changing real estate market in Ottawa, Canada's capital city. Our show is designed, which is hilarious, to keep you informed and up to date on the trends, developments, and opportunities in the local real estate industry. Whether you're a seasoned real estate investor, a first-time home buyer, or simply curious about the market, our expert guests and hosts are here to provide you with valuable insights, tips, and strategies that can help you make informed decisions about buying, selling, or investing in Ottawa's real estate market. So sit back, relax, and join us as we explore the fascinating world of Ottawa real estate. Gentlemen, how are we doing? <laughs> Bruce Bruce Buffer over there. Oh, <laughs> real estate. <laughs> what, what do we know? What do we know? What do we know? Greg, you're back. Everyone's in the city. We're all back in Ottawa. What? We're all back in Ottawa. Wow. We're kind of, kind of disappointing. Wah, wah, <laughs> we, had a, we had a good run. We had a good run. <laughs> yeah. How's, uh, how's everyone doing? How's the week? How's it, Greg? You must have had a busy, yeah, a busy start. I, I did. I had appointments on Saturday. I got back Friday. I had appointments Saturday. Um, I was all day today, nonstop. Just got back from my last appointment to uh, get this done. Um, it's there's a lot going on. I mean, in in my world, and from what I'm hearing, everything's pretty active. There's a lot of lot of things popping off. Uh, a lot of buyers getting nervous about prices going up and multiple mm -hmm. offers. A lot of sellers getting anxious uh, to get on the market to compete with other listings that they know are coming up as well. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. As I say all the time, all we can do is see where it goes. Yeah, lots of, uh, I did, I mentioned this on the show last week, but I did a webinar last week for renewals and um, lots of renewal conversations happening right now, which is obviously to be expected this year, as we mentioned, you know, 1.1 million renewals up in Canada, which is absurd. Um, but yeah, interesting to see some of the questions, like people were asking um, some very generic questions and other ones that were very, uh, like, fa fairly complex. But I think uh, more applications certainly coming through the door, not just for renewals, but people's shopping. And uh, from what I understand, Greg, uh, I know of at least two of my clients, one of which we share that, um, again, lost in a multiple offer situation, one just yesterday, not our client, but another client of mine just lost in a multiple offer situation. So they're still out there. They're still happening. Market's buzzing, it they, seems. They are They are happening. And uh you know, I've got I've got an interesting comment. Can I can I speak freely, gentlemen? <laughs> Go voice. Can, can I speak freely? I have something I was I was talking to you with a colleague today. I need some, um, something to get off my chest. It's the it's the offering on a property just for the sake of offering in a multiple offer scenario. But knowing that you're in a multiple offer scenario and knowing that you're only offering under list with conditions, potentially with a first refusal on it 
which means selling your home as a condition to, to purchasing the home that you're bidding on. And there's two other offers on the table. Now, the problem with that is that, oh, I just want to offer on the property. Just submit the offer for me with my conditions and everything. But the flip side is that you doing that, if there's already two offers on the table and you going to do that, you know what happens? Then the other two offers, if they revise their offers, then the house sells for more than what happens on the next one in the neighborhood that you want to offer on. Mm -hmm. Automatically, it's going to be listed at whatever closer to the sales price that you bid on prior. And you may have shot up the price by just offering because you wanted to mm -hmm. on it. So I thought that was very interesting because as professionals, we need to kind of, you know, work for our buyers and do what they, what they want us to do. But we also have to be mindful of things like that and let them know that they may be sabotaging themselves for a future purchase. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is and it, I think a lot of that too, like when you're going in for the first time, you know, first time, second time, maybe it's a learning experience, but then when you're talking, you know, maybe third, fourth, fifth time going out for homes, like you said, is it just a matter of they just want to be kind of in the mix or are they actually trying to yeah. like, you know, there's a certain point where you have to kind of, I guess, no, that should be a question. At what point on your end, Greg, do you say to the client, like, you know, you gotta, we gotta get a bit more aggressive in our offers here. Well, that's the thing. And, and, and that's the comment when you have, you know, cause there's a lot of people that are still in the mindset that the market is what it was even just a few weeks ago where you could just offer on a property. Uh, like, and I, and I've said it, uh, you know, I've said it, like there's a lot available go offer on that property, but if you go offer on that property and there's two other offers on it and your mm -hmm. offer is under list full of conditions, chances are very slim that you're going to get it. Not saying it's impossible. It, it, it could happen. But then the problem is if you lose, you pushed up the price mm -hmm. to the two other bidders who were, you know, concerned when you came in with your offer, not knowing that it was under list. But at the same time, that new rule is coming into play or it's supposed to come into play April 1st where uh, the transparent bidding can happen. And uh, I think we're going to know more about that officially after the 14th of this month. There's some, uh, there's some big changes coming in with Reba. Reba is turning into another thing called Tressa. Um, I'll have more on that later. I don't know enough about it to speak on it, but there's some major changes coming with uh, rules and regs for Ontario real estate. So the, uh, so for the, uh, I know you were saying that you'll get more info on the transparent um, bidding process. But for those that haven't been listening long enough or aren't or don't remember, uh, that was a, a proposal probably a year ago, year and a half ago, mm -hmm. um, when there was all the blind biddings going on and and multiple offer situation. That the I believe it's the seller will have the option of making it transparent, or all deals or all offers going forward will be uh, transparent. No, it's, it's up to the seller. It's okay. up to the, it's at the seller's discretion. Um, we feel that most sellers are going to want to do it, uh, because if a neighbor does it and then the next neighbor doesn't do it, I think a lot of people may pull back on bidding. Mm -hmm. They're going to want to only bid on the properties that are transparent mm -hmm. where they can see what they're, what they're up against. So anyways, that's, that's to be seen. Uh, but that's, that's coming up. That's coming a new, up. new negotiating strategies will be coming up then. Because yeah, obviously, yeah, because obviously, from a from a ne negotiating and sales perspective, that 
changes things mm-hmm. on strategy for you know how to effectively win that that multiple offer scenario for your client so it'll be interesting to hear uh kind of how that unravels or, or unfolds rather and then and then to see how people like strategize um so I yeah, i was gonna say for sellers it'll be very interesting like you might have some people that know their top dog on the street and they'll just be like nope no we're not doing that like you bid whatever you want and we'll we'll mm-hmm. see where it lands you know well, it becomes mm-hmm. tricky, right? It becomes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're you're waiting for offers and then what happens, maybe you don't get offers or you're really low and then you still don't get what you get. And then it turns into what, like, what do you do? You don't accept it. Then you do a relist at the price that you wanted, which was the same thing in blind bidding. And then people, and then it just sits. So mm-hmm. it is, it's going to be really interesting to see how that, how that pans out. Buyers will just boycott properties without the uh, transfer. I'm not buying. I'm not buying. <laughs> I'm holding. I'm holding. You guys, did you guys? Uh, I, I didn't know this. I I missed. I missed this while while I was away. I guess because I would have talked about it on the show. But Fair Square closed its doors. Eh? Did you guys hear about all that? I did not notice that. So Fair Square to the listeners used to be Purple Bricks. Mm-hmm. Everyone remembers Purple Bricks. Purple Brick Bricks was. Uh, you know, an alternative brokerage, not a full service brokerage. Um, and Desjardins, the Desjardins group uh, from Quebec bought it and turned it into Fair Square when the market was hot. Guess what? Fair Square is now closed for good. Well, well and then and then unreserved being a normal uh, brokerage now. They went from, you know, the, uh, yeah. the auction idea uh, and kind of equity raise for mm-hmm. that business model. Um, morphed pretty quickly when the market changed into just a normal brokerage now and yeah. purple bricks was grapevine before was yeah. it not like they yeah. went through a couple changes no, grapevine <sighs> is still around um, is it? Oh. purple bricks was was duproprio in quebec mm. and then they came to ontario as that yeah no grapevine is still that's like the og of for sale by owner basically yeah um but now they i think they do full service as well Hmm. but uh yeah the unreserved thing it's very very interesting like i'm just looking at their site right now and it's totally changed yeah, yeah. they say they offer now you know transparent information mm-hmm. I, I heard an ad on the radio actually this morning for unreserved and it was talking about uh <laughs> something about like canada's favorite pastime not hockey it's finding out what your neighbor sold their house for hmm. they're basically saying you can get like un unsolicited statistics i think and so on on their website well they're, they're we, called greg campbell you know, we were listening it. to the same uh we we're listening to the same ad paul well, i yeah. know exactly what you're talking about i heard that yeah. morning as well they must this must be their uh their push yeah their push for uh for ads for yeah this is the, interesting though i'm i'm on their website right now and all i'm seeing is bc and alberta no, they're they're still in Ottawa. There's a, a house around the corner for me that uh, has a, oh, has, a sold, ha, has a sold sign uh, on it, an unreserved it sold there. sign. But I see um, it there, and not via auction. Toronto, so they are national. Everyone, they're doing their thing. Hey, good for them. And, you know, they got their foot in the market, and they're they're maintaining that. So that's mm-hmm. that's cool. Didn't heels. hold. I'd like say they got their heels. Square. They got their heels in the market. Got their heels. Yeah. yeah. Um couple things i wanted to uh to quickly touch on this is all by design eh? this is a this show designed to uh, provide you all this information um 
Read an article. I know you have a, an article too, Dave, about the uh, foreign buyers, but I just want to touch on uh, something I saw today in Canadian Mortgage Trends talking. It says TD Mortgage Growth flat in Q1. Uh, so I'll just read the first section here. It says, well, some of the big six banks have reported continued strong mortgage growth in the first quarter. TD Bank's mortgage book was basically flat compared to Q4 and up just 4% year over year. Uh, for the quarter, sequentially, we're basically flat, yada, yada. Uh, we see our advisors are being quite productive and we are making some operational enhancements to our processes. Uh, they were talking about amortizations for variable rates continue to increase. So, you know, we talked about that, uh, the trigger rate with most of those TD uh, renewals and people that are in TD variable rates are probably coming pretty close to their uh, to their trigger rate. This is an interesting graph. I don't know if you have it up there, Stephen, but it's saying remaining amortizations for TD residential mortgages. So uh, they have basically a graph, like 15 to 20 years, 20 to 25 years, 25 to 30, 30 to 35, and 35 years or more. And then it shows what percentage of mortgages are in those amortizations based on them getting pushed due to the, the rate increases. And if you look at Q1 2022, 30 to 35 years, 0.3%. Uh, this is Q1 2022, 30 to 35 years, 0.3. 25 to 30 years, uh, 29.5%. 20 to 25 years, which is kind of the standard, 40.9%. And then 15 to 20 uh, years, 18.7%. Zero, they had none 35 years or more. Now in Q1 of 2023, 35 years or more, they have 27.4% of mortgages now have 35 years or more as their amortization. Uh, 30 to 35 years, 1.9. 25 to 30 years, 19%. 20 to 25 years, 29%. And 15 to 20 years, 13.6%. So the 20 to 25 years and the 35 years plus are actually almost the same, mm -hmm. which is pretty wild it's when you think about that. And there was a uh, an article by from the same um, uh, company, uh, Canadian Mortgage Trends. They put out a lot of uh, uh, news articles related to mortgages, and they had one about CIBC a few days ago. And I just, as you were reading the TD one, it it, it, res it reminded me of what uh, it was five days ago they did it on CIBC and the rates of the uh, percentages of you know of thirty five year plus. They're almost identical at twenty seven percent. Uh, of their book, um, but it was talking about how 70% of CIBC mortgage, their portfolio, 70% of uh, variable rate mortgage holders have hit their trigger rates um, and surpassed them. Which is yeah, and I think a lot of people, like I was talking to a friend with RBC, renewals coming up June 1st, and she said to me, she's like, I don't, like our payments haven't changed. She's like, I don't know, like I don't know what to expect, but like our payments haven't changed over the last five years. So I basically said, I'm like, well, you're going to, you might have a, a surprise when it comes mm -hmm. time to renew because your payment, you know, you, I think they had paid down 70,000 or something since the last uh, renewal. And I said, well, you know, your, your payment may stay the same, but your amortization will have extended maybe right. five, five or right. six years, you know, like you have mm -hmm. rates have gone up, your balance is lower, but your amortization certainly has been extended. So I, I I'm waiting to hear back from her as to what that solution is or what RBC is even providing them as a solution. Cause I'm interested to see how, these banks are going to approach these renewals. Like, are they just going to send them a notice and say, Hey, sign here. But by the way, we added eight years to their mortgage, or are they going to call them and, and have these one-on-one -on -one conversations? Like, what is that going to look like? Like, I have no idea. Like as a, as a broker, obviously we're having more in-depth conversations, I think about these renewals, but most people are just getting a notice in the mail saying, you know, your renewals coming up in four months, sign here. 
and may I don't not foresee- even notice the amortization mm-hmm. change. Mm-hmm. I, I don't foresee them having one-on-one conversations. No. Um, just from the sheer volume of mortgages that a lot of these banks are have coming up, especially the large, uh, the larger um, ones like TD, Scotia, RBC that have the predominant uh, market share of the big banks. I don't see them having one-on-one calls. I think it's going to be a letter in the mail of this is what the rate offer is. This is what the balance is. And, you know, and people, like you said, some people will notice that reverse amortization that it was stretched out. But I know from TD that they uh, basically sent an internal memo saying that we're just going to let amortization, like people just, if they've got equity available and that from what they originally bought on the books to where they're at now, they'll just add to the amortization and just not even talk to the client, just let it go. Um, so to your point, they'll get a renewal letter. And they might, you know, they might be str- oh, might be the same. Hey, yeah, payments the same. I'll sign, not even or, looking or, at the fact that there's eight yeah, years yeah. now left, or, like eight well, years. And then more. they're stuck, and they're and the and they're very likely stuck. With, um, you know that with that lender institution because they might not have, you know, if it has reverse the amortization and they're at thirty plus years, based on their original loan without the, maybe the value dipping at all. Um, where they don't have the ability then to maybe move to another lender or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, you know, or they're having to pay down that mortgage in order to move it. I've, I've got that scenario right now of somebody that up with an alternative lender. They bought the height of the market a couple of years ago. Um, they their house doesn't isn't valued at what they bought it for um, a year ago, and they're with a a, a MIC, a mortgage investment corporation. Um, and so they came to me and they said, "What are the options?" They've got to pay thirty-seven thousand out of pocket um, when on this. You know, we're able to move them from MIC to, you know, in this case, to actually TD Bank, um, but they're having to make that lump sum payment. Um, fortunately, they do have that available. It's basically all of their savings, but it's going to give them in the long run a better rate, and so it still made sense. But um, yeah, I think there's wow. going to be a number of people that are up renewal that are going to be, you know, saddled with whatever that renewal rate is because they won't have the ability to move. Now, you guys are saying, just to be clear here, you're talking about people going up for renewal and, you know, Paul, for your example of the 70,000, like they have 70,000 that they paid down. Mm -hmm. So then their payment may be the same, even though the house is, they've paid it down $70,000, but with the interest rate, it keeps their payment the same over a higher amortization. So then, I mean, which is- There's not enough- from the payment that's covering what the pay, what it should be. And so they're basically, let's say it's $1,500, but 2000 is needed. They leave their payment at 1500. Right. And instead of, instead of increasing to 2000, they say, Oh, well you have 70,000 in equity. We'll just start chipping away at that of that $500 that you shouldn't be increasing your payment to. We'll just start chipping away at that 70,000. Which is what a lot of people want though. Right. They just want out of sight, out of mind. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. payments the same. Like a lot of people don't really, care that much until, until they is, go to sell their house in five years until and they go they to sell but yeah. it's kind of like yeah. when you go to, I, you, you go to buy a new car right like you know and they'll the they'll, they'll even pitch you on them be like well how, how much can you afford mm-hmm. how much can you afford monthly right and yeah. then they'll find a wizardly way of making the mm-hmm. payment yeah be exactly what you want oh, to it to you 11 don't, <laughs> you don't look at the at the number right and i mean for like i said for a lot of people it's just like you know what that's great like I, i'm i'm good yeah, um, they don't really care about it. All they care about is knowing that they're paying this amount for this amount of time. They got a roof over their head. I, they're paying their fifteen hundred yeah, bucks. I, I, I do. So agree. the banks are smart with in terms of playing it like that. Uh, but then it becomes an issue for people who are just kind of like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, I think I think I think to your point, I think a lot of people are just wanting to keep their payment the same because they 
um, you know, expenses are up. They want to weather the storm that's coming. Yeah. Um, as opposed to that obligation. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think to Paul's point as well, uh, that it'll be a surprise when they come up for renewal and, you know, um, and it's not their balance isn't what they thought it would be or, 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 and there's just a lot of people that aren't aware of their ability to increase their payments either. Like the bank might, their bank might not have contacted them to increase their payments, or maybe they missed that letter in the mail or that email um, mm -hmm. or that notification in their online banking, which is possible as well. And they're not aware that they can increase their payment. And, and you can do so voluntarily. Almost all mortgage mortgages mm -hmm. out there have that ability to increase your payments, um, you know, either from a set percentage amount or up to even double what the payment is. So uh, certainly if you are in that camp and you haven't had your payments increased on a variable rate mortgage, it's you know might be worthwhile for you to uh, to look at that if you have the capacity to. And rate um, announcement tomorrow. It'll be tomorrow when this comes out. Um, that'll be interesting to see. I've still been very reluctant, or at least being very thorough in my conversations when people are suggesting they go variable, just so that they fully understand like what is happening in the in the market. But if they halt rates uh, this time, and I think the next one is April, Dave. Next mm -hmm. announcement. Yeah. Um, you know, if they, if they don't raise rates for both of those, I think we'll see a lot more people, even though it's a higher rate, I think a lot more people going variable with the assumption that that rate will drop over the next five years. I, but, a lot of the conversations I have are either like one and two year fixed or five year variable. It's mm -hmm. like, it's, and, and that's, you know, per, people's preferences, uh, of what they, what they're reading. And, and to that point, there was an article in, um, Reuters, uh, and Bloomberg, over the weekend and, and, you know, polling 32 economists across Canada, asking them whether they believe the overnight rate from the Bank of Canada will be kept as it is. And, and they all, uh, they all believe that, that the, the majority was that it's going to remain as is and no, um, and no increase. So it's and going that, up. They'll, that they'll take a pause. Well, this is the first time so that it's going they, up a quarter point. That's I mean, good. yeah, it's still, I mean, I don't know that the, uh, that the Bank of Canada knows what they're doing, uh, potentially what they're doing yet, but, um, you know, on that increase, but, but really, you know, from their signal, even at the last one was that they're going to take a pause, um, Tiff McCallum at a, at a press, at a, a, a presentation, I think it was last week or the week before said that they were, um, looking to take a pause to see as, as inflation has come down, um, to take a pause to see how the increases continue to ripple through the economy. Um, so we'll see, I mean, Wednesday the 8th is, uh, is the announcement. Um, and so I think that will determine what people are looking to do. I've got a client that mm. is closing the end of March and we have an approval on a fix. He's not sure whether to change it to, uh, a two or three year fix, um, and, or, a, or a variable. We're waiting until the eighth to see if there's an increase or not. And basically on the eighth, uh, if there's no increase, he's going variable. If there's an increase, we're going. Lock it in. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Dave, I know you had another article about the foreign buyers, but we do have a question from last week's show uh, from our boy B. Charon. If you want me to, uh, you want me to ask that first, or do you want to get into that do article it. first? Yeah. Um, so, Greg, you're talking about new builds, buying new builds, so on. You know, build. We were talking about builders lowering their prices and so on. Uh, he basically said, "Isn't it risky these days to buy new builds, uh, considering some developers?" are going bankrupt and is it not true that new construction has lots of issues due to a shortage of skilled tradespeople leading to some shoddy workmanship? Uh, I don't know about the shortage in skilled tradespeople. Is that something you guys have heard? I mean, that's, uh, 
there's there's all that yeah that's that's, that's, that's always nothing it's, more it's, than it usually is i should say it's it's always you know they mm. go through their stages um you know i've i've been dealing with builders where it was like that for months and they had to you know recover costs and like do repair work uh then they corrected it you know they had the right people working in and then all of a sudden they didn't have the right trades people working in so working so i i don't think that that's it's nothing new it's been going on for years and it'll keep going on for years. Uh, the builders that have the exceptionally skilled tradespeople consistently working with them are smaller builders. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can't, if you're looking at a, sm a new build, uh, you are better to spend a little bit more. In, in my opinion, you're better to spend a little bit more and work with a smaller builder because their crew is usually much tighter and they're paid well and they work within that sphere and they don't go elsewhere. When you're dealing with the ones that are uh, doing volume, expanding into more communities, that's when you're going to have a higher chance of dealing with unskilled tradespeople or a high turnover rate because they need to have, uh, they have their bottom line and they can't always make it uh, by paying the best, the high price. And some of the new builds, mm -hmm. at least the most recent new build purchases that I've seen, at least clients had had them pushed from previous dates, but they're all closing now like there's no it doesn't seem like there's any further delays mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys have seen anything different but it seems like most builders are back up to where they their were. timelines yeah to mm -hmm. their expected timelines unless you're minto and orleans and then they're delayed a little bit <laughs> explosion oh did we touch <laughs> on that i, I think well, i sent that a couple uh a couple few weeks ago but the 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 guy the was guy was found caught. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like an arson. There was actually like he, a charge he, laid. Yeah, he stole. He, he went. And he broke in to steal water heaters and mm -hmm. stole two water heaters and didn't turn off the uh, oh. um, the gas line, and so it was just filling full of natural gas and obviously ignited. So, what kind of charges does a guy like that get, man? That's it's crazy. a laundry list. It's a laundry list. Yeah. People were injured, and there's like, yeah, it's a it's a long. That's list. some serious jail time. He's going. Yeah. To jail. yeah. Yeah, all for a couple of water heaters that are worth like 600 bucks each. Crack kills. Crack yeah. Kills. <laughs> Orleans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On a, uh, I, I think, should we touch on some of the, uh, some of the numbers? Yeah, I can look at, uh, I'll go over oh, the yeah, true. stats here. Let's do it. Let me just uh, bring it up here again and. You know, guys, the market is the market. Uh, I always say it. Just make sure that you talk to your pros in the neighborhood about the type of property you want to buy before you just look at these numbers and think that this is how everything is in Ooh, Ottawa. the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> so members of the Ottawa Real Estate Board sold 855 residential properties in February compared to 1,411 in February 2022. That's a decrease of 39%. What a surprise. <laughs> Big number though. February sales included 633 freehold homes down 42% from a year ago and 222 in the condominium category, a decrease of 31%. Five-year average for total units in February is 1,157. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to see declines in transactions. <laughs> Look at me. I'm like, I'm the professional. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever, <laughs> whatever real estate board. Ken Decker, he's the president. He's actually, Ken Decker's actually a great guy. On the other hand, uh, banks holding interest rates steady. 
That's another thing I want to get into. I was I was listening to some other um, folks today on uh, on YouTube, some Canadian folks. realtors and mortgage brokers uh, talking about they think that the rates are going to hold for a couple months, but they're going to go back up either in the summer or the fall pretty aggressively based on some things that are happening in the U.S. So more on that another episode, but it's very interesting I, what I was hearing. Yeah, I think some of that will play into um, depending on what how much the U.S. Fed increases there. Yeah prime rate because that'll that hurts our uh, if we Dollar. stay and maintain yeah our the currency of canadian to us gets hit hard and that will affect bond rates which then in turn affect fixed rates so what the us does obviously does affect us as we uh, as we all know but the what in those stats that you read uh greg i just googled it quickly because i was curious of what the numbers were like in february of 2019 um, because everything is compared over the, you know to 2022 mm -hmm. uh 2021 uh when they were uh extremely crazy sales well, i'm gonna guess that they were probably about like they say the five-year average is 1157 i'm gonna guess like 2021 2019 probably about a thousand that's exactly what it was a thousand and five man i'm good um and Thanks, that was an and that was an increase <laughs> And that was an increase over 2028, which was 978. 2018. Um, and the and the average housing house price in February of 2019 was 466,000. The average residential. Imagine, imagine if we knew. And the average and the average price now is 708. Well, 709. And and for condos were 288,000. And now it's 411. And 411, and that and that 288 was a five percent increase over February of 2018. So, mm -hmm. yeah, um, still some pretty good, uh, some pretty good, some pretty good gains and over the last. Uh, yeah, four years. there's there's gains, and you know, I, I like. I'm glad you brought that up, Dave, because mm -hmm. it's you know when you think of that and you look at where we're at now with the decrease over that massive fake increase last year. And with what's going on with housing in Canada, including Ottawa, how I don't see it going, but it can't go down much further. Like, so we're mm -hmm. kind of like stuck in and around where we are now. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how much higher it's going to go this year, but I, I don't think it's going to go down too much more again, unless, you know, there's like a, an anomaly in the world that, that makes, makes things uh, change. And, and, and rates. And for those that, you know, probably don't remember or aren't aware that rates the end of 2019 and right before the pandemic fixed five-year fixed rates were in the three and a half to three six five range um they weren't in the twos or anything like that they they were mid threes and mid higher threes so um for your traditional you know bank um and they were still you know getting having gains of five and change percent over year over year but uh to your point greg of you know what depending on what's going on in the uh, in the market or, or you know, from a, a supply standpoint. And uh, it's a great segue into, uh, into an article uh, that uh, we have before we uh, close out here. Um, it's, I'm just bringing it up here on my, uh, on my side, if I can locate it. Uh, it's an article with um, uh, Benjamin Tall, who is the um, head economist for CIBC, uh, focuses a lot on, uh, on the housing sector. Uh, and also he, uh, he speaks and, and, um, and advises the, not only the Canadian government, but also the, uh, 
um, uh, but many, many governments around the world and, and participates in all those conversations. And he kind of spoke about the foreign buyer uh, ban and how not just that, you know, and kind of how it has that ripple effect, like we were talking about a few weeks mm-hmm. ago, um, that, you know, at, at a high level, he says there's, um, you know, a minimal share of the housing stock uh, mm-hmm. it is tied up or bought by foreign buyers and mm-hmm. to what 2.2% in Ontario and 3.1% in, in British Columbia. Um, but the, you know, the, but in these states, the, but the counter argument is whatever marginal role foreign buyers play, eliminating its impact on home prices is better than nothing. Um, there is nothing to lose. Uh, however, uh, the, you know, it seems like the language surrounding legislation is straightforward, but there's, uh, disagreements in what the term residential property, uh, you know, kind of is classified as, um, you know, any developed, any developed or vacant land that does not contain any uh, habitable dwelling and that is zoned for residential or mixed use and also located within a census uh, metropolitan area um, is, it falls under that form buyer ban or any, and non-Canadian, which the act defines as an entity with 3% or more foreign ownership. Uh, like like I mentioned uh, a few weeks ago, that that is um, inhi- inhibiting uh, growth because uh, they say that the he even talks about the wording that inadvertently includes most publicly traded REITs uh, in addition to developers. So it's really there's been a lot of you know he talks about the real the real damage that um, many commercial real estate deals have been canceled or put on hold despite the fact they have nothing to do with residential housing. Developers that are partly foreign-owned or rely on foreign equity, uh, as in foreign funding, um, because there's not enough within Canada to help these large developments, uh, cannot proceed with purpose-built developments that, in our view, are the most effective tool to tackle Canada's housing affordability crisis. Um, so he's, you know, put the put this article out, and we'll we'll certainly put the link uh, in this episode. It's going to be full but of articles. Yeah, but it's talking about really that the unintended consequence of this act is is um kind of restricting that housing supply and affordable housing um which to your point Greg, like as we continue with you know unless something changes you know from the price fr- prices where we're at um that there's not going to be a lot of room for no. us to go down because of the again like we keep saying the demand and even though these numbers um you know that 855 last month was lower than 2019 um you know and especially lower than the past couple of years it is really rates that are putting people on the sidelines, but you know, really the um, the values have not expl- you know dropped or or kind of exploded and and tanked like some people were thinking they would because there is still um, you know reasonable demand that's needed there. And I think, and again, I think this week will be um, will be telling of what people's interest is in in buying for buyers you know depending on what the bank canada does so anyways good article by benjamin tall he he really is a uh, one of the leading economists um yeah. in canada and and he does speak uh, really well and and relates a lot of the economy uh things going on in the economy to real estate um so anyways we'll see you know. if rates don't go up how many less headlines there are you know, when it's not doom and gloom, mm-hmm. when it's not rates are increasing, you know, hold your babies. It's uh, it's just <laughs> like, oh, rates are staying the same. We mm-hmm. probably won't see as many headlines. You'll see I the bet. mortgage agents posting it, but you're not going to see it on, you know, CBC and CTV and everyone's not, it's not going to be on, it's you know, all, the Globe and Mail. <laughs> it's all planned. They're sitting yeah. here like they're mm-hmm. not going to increase the rates and they know 
they can't because they don't, the market's going to explode. It's going to create, it's just business. People are going to buy homes. Everything's going to be great. And then all of a sudden they're going to put the brakes on. Uh, they want They want a spring market. We all want a busy spring market. They want to show that they want to show that they care about Canadians buying homes. So they're going to keep it low. Keep it low for a couple, a little while. How low can you go? How low can you go? Zero. <laughs> I mean, meaning moving none. <laughs> that, does that even make well, sense? Do I even make sense? It's nighttime. Uh, we're recording this at night. I'm a little. We're going on. We're going on 10 p.m. here, folks. The the brains are a little uh, it's a long Monday. Good, good yeah. show, though. I think this was very informative for <laughs> for me, and I hope for the listeners as well. Well, I think we've uh, talked talked listeners ear off enough. Maybe we should slide so. to the mood boost. I got four. I like it. Number one, they're all they're okay. They're, I'd say two are good, two are tolerable. Uh, number one, what do you call a mobster who's buried in cement? A hardened criminal. Hardened criminal. Number two. Big uh, classical music guy, as you guys know. Oh, yeah. Huge. Uh, You're a huge classical music guy. Big Beethoven guy. Yeah, number two. Why did Beethoven <laughs> get rid of his chickens? All they said was, buck, buck, buck. Wow. I also love that I, I threw a Beethoven without knowing what the joke yeah, was. Yeah. That, was That's, that was perfect. <laughs> Reading minds. I sacrificed my whole reputation with these jokes just so you know just embarrass myself for everyone's pleasure uh number three did you hear about the shepherd who drove his sheep through town he was given a ticket for making a u-turn making a u-turn mm -hmm. and last mm -hmm. but not least my favorite number four what do you call a hippie's wife mississippi 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 <laughs> uh I'd say I'd say we're three. I think three. I like three yeah. for four. Yeah. Yeah. See. Uh, well, thank you everyone for tolerating us, joining us, being here, listening, watching. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Commiserating. <laughs> Enjoying. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, we should do another live. We should do a live show every month, maybe. Maybe we'll just throw in the comments. You want to see us live? Throw in the comments. If not, if you haven't already, subscribe. Uh, make sure to comment. If you have any questions in the comments, we, we will answer them on the show. And uh, thanks, as always, for your, uh, for your fellowship and your listening. And uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe, because we'd really like that.